is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. The Meat Improv! Hello and welcome to the Potatoes. Nom, nom, nom. There you go. I guess we're supposed to do that after. Uh, this is the side episode uh, we do every week where we talk a little improv theory. Mm. Uh, we got Billy and Will sticking around this mm. week. Uh, yeah, potatoes. Talk I see you. meat and potatoes. Oh, That's right. Oh, I get it. We okay. called it the side dish at first. And oh. then it was like, potatoes are the side dish. Oh. Yeah. That's right. Um, Billy was just talking about how excited I he is for potatoes. I told you what I'm going to do with my later. potatoes tonight, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Still yeah. thinking slice, sliced new potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. Sour cream, maybe. A little, maybe. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, a little olive oil, salt. See where I go. I my know. mouth is watering. Uh, <laughs> sincerely, that's great. Um, yeah. Well, this is the part where we talk a little shop. Uh-huh. Uh, and I guess we have your book to jump off of a little bit. We talked a little bit about the premise and the process of writing the book before. Mm-hmm. I- go ahead. Oh, I had a question. Okay, go for it. Yeah. Um, did when writing that book, did either of you have a moment where you sort of like had a revelation or learned something new from the other person in the way they were explaining it that you were like uh, just gave you a better understanding of anything? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, constantly. Really? Uh, yeah. That was the amazing thing is to hear uh, uh, what a robot think a pirate is and what a pirate thinks a robot is mm-hmm. and how to play off of it. I think you mentioned that maybe it's easier. I don't know if you said this, but uh, it's easier for a pirate to teach a robot or the other way around. Um, Did you say something like that? Yeah, yeah I, think I, I think I said the other way around. I think a robot analyzes yes. it, so they end up being like better at coming up with repeatable formulas of how to do yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the pirate's going by feel more. Yeah, yeah. So that weirdly, even though you're a pirate and it's your theory, me the robot maybe was more enthusiastic about trying to define everything more yeah. specifically. I'm completely open to other people's teaching techniques and mm-hmm. stealing them. Yeah. Uh, uh, like I fantasize about having hidden cameras in all the teachers uh, rooms just to watch how people teach certain things, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, how they get certain points or ideas across when I'm just run out of ideas yeah you know i can't get it across to people what what do other people say yeah like you an example would be uh mapping yeah mm-hmm. i'd not heard of mapping my first 10 years of teaching okay. and then as i moved out here i started hearing it more and more from students going i don't know what that is yeah uh and i think i overheard casey or watched casey Fay teach and it's like oh I've been calling it something else or, or yeah. not using that term. Right, right. You call it an as if scene or something. Or yeah. You have a term for it. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I had one. I have this thing I explain as like a graph. Just like I call it the X, Y. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like your X axis is the reality. Your Y axis is your game. Hopefully moving along your X yeah. feeds yeah. the game move. And going yeah. back to reality feeds the game move. And I like, it's just something I explain to students uh, just it's kind of a way to explain like how to actively rest a game instead of just like shutting up for five seconds. Sure, do you sure. find that people do that when you're like rest the game? They're just like, yeah, and then they come back to it five seconds later. Yeah, I uh, actually teach them to lie down on the floor for thirty seconds just <laughs> to get a really little power nap. Yeah, Everyone just rest, rest. Uh, <laughs> All right, now get back yeah. up rest. again. Uh, so, anyways, this X Y thing, I like explained it to a class one time, and someone was like, "Oh, Nick Mandernet calls that the staircase." I'm like, "Oh, so much better." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so much better than mine. Yeah. Uh, but same concept. It's yeah. Kind of, yeah. It's kind of funny how people arrive at different, like they define things and they're teaching the same um, concept, but yeah, it's just a different terminology. 
I like uh, yeah, I like picking up phrases from other people. Mm-hmm. I think Delaney's the first person I Michael Delaney, our friend from New York, was the first person I heard uh, accept offers from. He said to me, "A good improviser tends to accept offers." Offers, and I was like, "Oh, I like that phrase." Oh, really? Yeah, a good improviser tends to accept offers. I I like the way that sounds. Tends yeah. to not like a hard rule. Accept offers rather than yes and. It was pretty mm-hmm. good. Like Were you in his class when he, I, I remember him talking about a good improv scene is like a good meal. No. He used a lot of meal metaphors. No. You got your potatoes on mm-hmm. one side and you yeah. got your steak over here and over here you have your vegetables. So you take a little bit from each of these in order to get a good meal. And that meal is a good scene. And it's just like, that's, I'm getting hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't work. If I'm teaching that in class, all I'm thinking about now is, uh, uh, yeah, that steak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so what, were there any like insights that like, I don't know, I guess I'm putting well, I guess, spot a little bit like that one person said that you're like, oh, okay. I, um, I don't remember who said it, but I know that we realized that we, especially after we had people read the book, that we were bet the pirate was more fun to talk about and yes. seemed more fun to be. And everybody was I, like, the robots seem like a drag. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Why would you, why do you need a robot? Why yeah. are they even good? We realized that we didn't make them positive at all. Why do you think that is? Why, why do they, it's not true, but it comes across that way. I think it's um harder to give examples of a robot being helpful. Yeah. Like if you talk about a pirate being a good actor and emotional and impulsive mm-hmm. right away, you're like, oh, I can see where that's, fun in an improv scene but then if you're like oh the robot really nails the game or yeah, like, yeah. labels the funny part you're like well i don't necessarily feel in my bones how that's funny yeah. right mm-hmm. if you watch somebody who is very like sort of robotic and analytical do improv and they're really funny and i'm thinking of old school joe wingard yeah, Joe, yeah. of course is a really good actor but if joe's in one of his just like initiate a really good idea with the perfect turn of phrase yeah and he's saying it in a deadpan tone it sounds a little bit mechanical, but it is also so deliciously funny. Yeah. But it's hard to think of examples like that. And I don't think it reads well. It doesn't necessarily read well know. either. So it's actually harder to sell the robot in a in yeah. a description form. Yeah. Yeah. So we did mitigate it a little bit after yeah. we got that feedback. <laughs> but that was sort of we realized, oh, we both like talking about the pirate. Yeah. And we are we shit on the robots a lot. <laughs> I think also because I was sort of in charge advocating for the robots. And you were advocating for the pirates, mm-hmm. and I tended to self-deprecate about my own yeah, improbability. So, yeah, yeah. so I would be self-deprecating about the robots <laughs> more than I would be celebratory. I feel go- coming up uh, earlier in my pirate career that I only saw pirate as a bad thing. Like yeah, when I'm pirating, that means I'm taking over the scene. I'm too loud. I'm mm-hmm. pushing it where it shouldn't go. Uh, and I t- I think it's in the it's in the book about did you have to be a tornado in a nursing home. Yeah, was the note that really stuck out to me. <laughs> so I a literal note you got. Yeah, it was a literal note because I literally played a tornado in the middle of a mono scene. Uh, very, er, I have a memory of you, Billy. <laughs> very early on, this is like 1999, UCB New York, Ascat, and it was a rare Ascat that kind of wasn't going well. Usually, Ascat's crushed. This was one, maybe just this couple scenes were, but everybody was kind of starting to hug the back line. In my memory, like they're sort of backing away from the scene. And then somebody, there were people on a ship, and somebody said that they saw gay Moby Dick. This is like how long ago this is. It's like, I think people would find this like inappropriate. And like, nobody would move after that. Like, everyone's like, not, not out of like a fear of offending the audience, but more just like, ugh, we don't want to do. 
And then everybody like looked at you and made you get off the stage and you did a wail and you were like, you did like a sort of effeminate sounding like spout of water and then like shrugged your shoulders and went back on stage. And I was like, oh, they made Billy do that. They're like, they're like only Billy will take the plunge. Uh, we need a gay whale. Billy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Are you happy now? Are you all happy? <laughs> I remember it was funny. Um, th- that using those scene examples uh, when reading your book, I know like you sort of have kind of a uh, meta remark about like the best. I think it's like hanging on the wall are the five best improv scenes, and it yeah, like the seven uh, greatest improv scenes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but you probably had to be there to get, really yeah, understand we, them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was thinking about that, and then I was thinking, Will, about your previous book where you used a lot of examples of scenes that you'd seen, or, or yeah. maybe almost primarily. And I'm yeah, I tried not to use all the real way, scenes. Yeah. yeah. What, um, what made you sort of shift from that direction for this book? Because uh, I because it's too hard. I okay. mean, like coming up with examples in improv books, I think, is the hardest thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because it's so easy to pick apart an example and say what's wrong with it. Mm-hmm. So if you say like, well, you know, whatever, like, oh, you really got to commit to your reality. Bef- it's good to have a committed base reality before you find a game or something like that. Then you want to give an example of it. So easy to be like, that example doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't think that's, I don't know. Yeah, People yeah, really yeah. like to pick them apart. So it's almost like, sometimes I'd almost rather not say, I'd be like, just trust me that this works. Don't yeah. make me prove it because I yeah, won't my be memory able to. Is, I'll never remember a scene exactly as it was. Mm-hmm. I'll so, only see my version of it. And I've read a lot of improv books and I sort of think a lot of them shy away from real examples because it is so hard. Yeah. What we did do in this book though, is I tried to, cause we wrote it over a period of seven months. Mm-hmm. So I would try to like, obs- like just remember scenes that were happening at that. It'd be like, Oh, we need yeah. a scene where this is an example. Mm-hmm. So Billy and I'd be doing a smoke show and I'd be like, Oh, this isn't one we could use. Yeah. Um, or this, or this is a good initiation that we could use. So a lot of them are, me paraphrasing yeah. scenes that I had seen or whatever, but I didn't go to the, like with my previous book, I went to shows, recorded them, transcribed them and used those examples pretty much as is. Yeah. With very little editing. Um, yeah, I remember, I, yeah, I remember that from your book because, um, I was like, well, this is authentically scenes that made me laugh yeah. in, in real life. So I'll let them just be warts and all in the book. And I kept in like digressions and, you know, lines that didn't work Mm -hmm. um, just because, well, that's an improv scene. Yeah. But it's risky because obviously you lose so much just having it on the printed page. But basically it was just too hard. I'd be like, I want to finish this book in less time than it would take (laughs) me to record a bunch of shows and transcribe them. I did try to remember real ones, though. I Mm. think. Like I stole a bunch of Joe initiations. Like we have the premise dragon in this Mm -hmm. book. And he's supposed to be initiating premises. And I was like, oh, man. So I used a couple of Joes. At one point, I have the premise dragon say, this is after, I didn't tell you I did this, Billy. Yeah. Somebody, at the end of the book, the, the students are graduating. The mm-hmm. seekers are graduating. And as they're leaving, the premise dragon flies overhead. And I think I had him just say, well, I think initially we just like the premise dragon, you know, um, saying another great initiation and I didn't say what it was. And then our proofreader was like, you should say what it is if you're going to say this. So I put in a Joe on it. The premise dragons flying over ahead saying 
All right, surfers, I want you to know my personal mantra is no longer lock, load, and explode. <laughs> now it's saddle up and get riding. <laughs> Which is word for word a Joe Wenger initiation from a smoke show. But I made the premise dragon be saying it. That's, That's hilarious. Amazing. I, did, I should read the book. <laughs> Me too. Isn't that a funny one, though? Yeah, it's yeah, a good one. Um, so like, sometimes something would happen, I'd be like, i got to remember this. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Um, this may relate, well, we'll relate to the book and then it's about improv, but I'm usually just curious when we have guests on this part of the show, like, what's something that you're like on, that's like on your mind now when you teach improv? Like, like, is there like, I don't on know, I like go now? through like phases, like I always, I have a lot of like the same mantras or whatever. Oh, I see what you're saying. But like, as I continue to teach. I'm a, uh, last few classes, I'd say within the last year, I've just been on a Let's uh, let's not argue. Let's not fight. Let's not be too cynical. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, I guess because everything outside of the classroom is so fucking cynical. And if you spend a day on uh, social media, you're just angry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have seen after 20 years of teaching, the teaching within the last few years or the classes within the last few years have just been there's a lot of anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel it. Uh-huh. So you mean like, like within the class? Within the class, not anger at each other, but improvised scenes that involve anger or vengeance or like mean nose. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Or a lack of empathy, you know? Uh, and I think something that Bob Dassey said once in a workshop or when he was coaching his stepfathers once said, uh, uh, if you want to be a good improviser, be a good person. <laughs> I, when he said that, I went, oh, Shit. <laughs> Not been doing that. Uh, I, love, I love those little phrases. Yeah, little teeny things like that. But when you say it, people take it like, what? I'm not a good person. Yeah. But it's like, literally, it's like, no, just see if you can yes this scene without being, you know, still doing crazy man, straight man, you know, calling mm-hmm. out the unusual, but not calling out the unusual in a way that's so angry that the scene won't move forward. Right. Yeah. You know, it just stays on your anger. Yeah. Being a good voice of reason is tough. Yeah. Um, trying to get them to be like real people who know the other person and yeah. therefore have an affection for them, but still call it out is like mm-hmm. takes a takes a bit of a feel for students, I think. Yeah, yeah. Delaney, I to, oh god. I was just gonna say on that same thing, same note of like be a good person or whatever. Yeah. I usually tell people like when I play with voice of reason, I'm the best possible blank. So yeah. best possible father, best possible That's partner. That's a great note. Yeah. Best po- like just someone who's like going to say what's up, but be understanding enough to let it happen again. And again yeah. 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 Um, anyway, what, what were you going to say? Sorry. Um, it reminds me of a Delaney note that I liked, which was a uh, good listening is a willingness to change your mind. Yeah. Like you should listen like you might change your mind. Lose an argument. Even if you know you're, even if you are the voice of reason and you're talking to somebody who is insane and they are trying to be insane. Mm -hmm. If you want the, what good listening is like, well, you might have me. Yeah. Um, I like that note. That's a good, and that reminds me of, and I always mention Katie Roberts as the reason why the swarm became the swarm is because she had a mantra that she would almost literally say in every show. And that is what? That's crazy, but all right. <laughs> and it allowed us to do us. And she kept us grounded uh-huh. uh, and moved the scene forward. And an example, I have no line. I have no context of the scene whatsoever, but I know <laughs> her saying this, which is a version of that. It's like, I just can't believe anybody 
nobody would kill anyone in this town. <laughs> it's like, oh man, you know we're all going to murder everybody now. But she just sets that such kind notes yeah. that it allows that voice of reason to just kind of seep into the scene. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. What about you, Will? Anything on your um, yeah, I'm trying to, teacher brain? I've gone on this before, um, but I'm trying to get better at teaching... Um, how to uh, say why properly um, when you're justifying weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, don't say why too much. Don't overthink it. Don't make it complicated. Don't give me a backstory. But I end up over-explaining it, and I want it to be a simpler task in people's minds. Yeah. And I've really thought about it so much that I'm in danger of sharing all of my thoughts with it, you know. Like every time when I'm teaching or coaching yeah. and like, that's not necessary. They don't uh-huh. need mm-hmm. the full fucking backstory of why <laughs> I think this is important. They just need a simple yeah, side yeah. note or whatever, or a side coaching note or something or a little mantra to just remind <laughs> them. And it's kind of funny. Cause that's like, <laughs> you're almost like doing, I know I'm breaking my own rule. <laughs> Why is it important to say why? And I give a huge backstory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm blowing it. That's um, important. But it's because um, I've been, yeah, when I teach people who are new at the Herald and they're doing second beats and I'm like, a lot of times that's what's wrong is you're not, the why is different and it changes the flavor of the whole scene. Mm -hmm. Um, And if the scene's really funny, you probably, and it's working, you probably don't need to say it. But if if it's not working, that might be what's missing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... I think it's always exists. It's just whether you choose to call it out. Yeah, that's if right. If it's needed, it's there. But it's, it's like, always do you call there. Attention to it. Yeah. I have a. There, I feel it's artisanal now to say that justification isn't needed in scenes. And <laughs> just old man improv's going. No, mm-hmm. it's needed in every. And it's not like you every time every it line doesn't need is, to be said. It doesn't need to be always. said. But somewhere it's somehow it's there. Right. Well, here, yeah. Here's my non-revolutionary thing that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I can improv nerd out with you guys. Like, this is, I realize that what I'm going to say is not revolutionary, but to, to me it was, which is what's the difference between a good why or a bad why or a good justification or a bad justification. And as if I was going to have a computer measure it, it's, does it make the unusual behavior a relatable? Does it make me relate to it? emotionally yes and if it does yes. then it's good yes and if it doesn't then it's bad that's exactly what it's there for so it's an empathy thing it's an empathy thing so it's like your justification makes the person empathetic doesn't make them right or mm-hmm. rational but it makes them like emotionally empathetic yeah. and then it's good so if it's like like i hmm. there was a scene i was just coaching in ireland and it was like a group game where they were all clowns um they were all people take clowns quitting being clowns. They were removing their clown makeup. I think like backed into this or something. And then they had to justify why. And they were all very sad about it. They were all sad to give up their clown experience. No, they were scared to, they were scared to not be clowns. And then I was like, well, I need a why I need to understand. I don't quite understand why you're scared to stop being clown. I mean, I could guess at many reasons why, but you're not picking one. Mm Mm-hmm. And they, all their first instinct is to have like a, oh, when I was a kid, I was scared of clowns. I don't want to be one anymore. And I was like, I guess that's okay. But it feels closer to like the way you all look, like looking in mirrors or moving your makeup being, it's something about growing up or becoming responsible or becoming an adult. It's like some sort of emotional rite of passage 
that you're scared about taking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they all looked at me like, well, that's not what clowns are doing. And I was like, but that's what I relate to it in this way. You look like you're scared to go through a rite of passage. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, your why has to make me relate to it. I mean, yeah. that's not useful to say in a scene, but that's how I measure it in my head. I think it's uh, that, that empathy connection. I always use this. The empathy my, thing is, I might use that phrase. I like that. Uh, I use this filter. And it's like what you're doing on stage. Uh, does dad in the back row who's watching your uh, little improv show know what's going on? Uh, is your Are your moves for other improvisers? Are they for people who don't know what's going on? Mm-hmm. And yeah. can they follow it? And that's the beginning of your empathy connection mm. and i really do think a justification or why helps an audience relate to that scene yeah, yeah. you know usually gets a laugh yeah as well and it's it's the difference between ironic detachment and good representational scene work yeah you know you're bringing them in the difference in short form and long form to me short form you're assaulting them with a the comedy long form you're bringing them into your world and the more you can make that world more real the more justified, the more they're going to focus on it. And then you do a group game. <laughs> yeah. so, all right, butt kicks. Let's get in here. <laughs> I call it or I sometimes I use it like it, it's got to be rootable. Like you yeah. want the audience to root for yeah. you. Uh, and I tell Rudy, them to like, Rudy. yeah, I tell them to like find their Walter White in the scene is like what's going to make an audience go like. I'm okay with this person uh, melting people in uh, like in bathtubs with acid, right? <laughs> it's like, what is the thing that's going to sort of take that unusual behavior and make an audience go like, all right, I'm on board. Like, and the whole conceit of Breaking Bad was like, how long can we keep the audience on board? And I think like, what was it? Do you think? Why did we root for him? Because, uh, well, the cancer. Yeah, yeah. It's like initially he's, he's a high school chemistry teacher who's yeah, medical. It's like he's a everyday kid. Yeah, yeah, and he wants to protect and provide for his family and you go like okay and then he like he's in threatened like that's being threatened so he does what he needs to to defend it and then the more the series goes on it's like oh am i just rooting for this guy who just wants to be a drug kingpin right and like that's kind of the fun thing of that show and it's like you can't start in season five with your unusual behavior you got to start at a place where the audience goes like that's some crazy behavior but I empathize with it yeah, or I yeah, like yeah. am on board in a way that's drawing them in to be like, okay, I want to see where this goes as opposed to going like, I don't give a shit about this guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That is a good, I like how simple that is and that it's pretty easy in a good way to like come up with an answer to it. But I don't think that's actually how it works. Like that's one of those things that usually will work, mm-hmm. but it won't always work. Cause I mm-hmm. think sometimes it's okay to not root for the behavior as long as you can just sort of empathize that there, this is related to the truth somehow. Yeah. Like, what's a bad behavior that we accept that people do? Let's say that we know that infidelity happens. Uh-huh. We don't think it's good. We don't approve of it. But we accept that it is part of human behavior sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know of this transgression. So, like, if you can map the unusual thing to infidelity if that makes sense to do it then that will make it relatable you won't be rooting for it right you accept it as truthful Mm -hmm. and so it something clicks in your head where you don't i don't know it becomes yeah watchable yeah somehow i guess i'm thinking of that like seinfeld thing where he goes to a different barber and the old barber is insulted that he's going to the new barber, Uh (laughs) and they basically treat it like an affair yeah yeah he like finds hairs (laughs) 
yeah, <laughs> in his comb or something. Yeah, and yeah. It's like, who cut your hair? Who is this? Who's? How did you meet him? <laughs> and it's like they're taking, they're making the barber's anger is relatable because he's treating it like it's an infidelity. Yes, yeah. and it's funny that they find that. But it's also you never you don't you don't start picking apart the logic of it. You're not like, well, what does he care? He's no. still getting the money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Buy in immediately. You're like, I get it. It is like infidelity. Yeah. And you you're you're, but you don't root. He's not a hero. No. He's like less. He's more petty than we thought. But yeah. It's, but it's pleasingly recognizable. Right. Um, so this is what I mean. I'm thinking about it too much to the point where it's not useful. I'm really trying to think about what, because I was saying say why all the time, and then some students pushed back, like, why do we have to? And I was like, oh, sometimes you don't. What the what the fuck is it? Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's when the unusual thing is not human at all. Mm-hmm. You, you need to make it relatable to me. If yeah. it already was relatable, you actually don't need to say anything. No, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and good actors can feel when it's fake. If it's fake, you have to make it real. Yeah. With, like, some kind of, and a why will do it sometimes. Yeah. But I don't do any, I don't explain any of this. To, I'm just going, I just go, say why. <laughs> yeah. I go, say why internal reason, yeah. not an external circumstance. And uh, like, I do that too. Yeah. I do an exercise called evil, insane, stupid, which I think I've talked about on here before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's basically like someone goes in the middle and you accuse them of something evil, mm-hmm. which is more like asshole-ish. It's not as fun if you're like, you crush kittens. It's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's not that fun. Yeah. Uh, insane and stupid and stupid. Insane and stupid are similar, so I tell them to go like cartoonish with sil- with stupid. Okay, but anyways, you're accused of that thing, and then you have to like totally take it on, and usually by uh, coming right up against what's weird about it and making it a worldview instead of yeah, like you said, a victim of circumstance. Right. That is like everyone's first. You're right. That's everyone's Everyone first instinct. A, it's like I was raised this way, or somebody told me, or I had to to save money. It's like none <laughs> yeah. of that's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. almost like like cheating on a college essay or something. It's yeah. like, I call those boom. soft denials. Cause it's like, well now I want to go find your parents or I want to yeah. go to the business and ask <laughs> yeah. them why they did it. Like, uh, it's not exactly saying no, think, but it's a little bit like, don't ask me why I do it. Uh, <laughs> I think that's trying They're without they're They're trying to play to the top of their intelligence and they're being realistic and not emotionally truthful. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, what's a realistic reason that I would do this? Yeah. And it's like, well, some crazy external circumstance would make me do it. Mm-hmm. And that is realistic, top of your intelligence. But it's not like you've made it unrelatable. Right. You've yeah. like ruined the scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, just not useful, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's just you've made it an unimportant thing. Hmm. Um, yeah. My thing lately, I guess, that I've been thinking about is I just tell people it's kind of like say why, but it's like speak your piece. <laughs> yeah. Usually what I have to say is like as the voice of reason, say yeah. what you think is weird. Uh, if you're the unusual character, say yeah. why you're right. Or like why you th- why you're doing what you're doing, but like I don't know. I guess it's not that useful of a thing. <laughs> Just be like, no, speak, speak your, your piece. Speak your piece is good. But it's uh, I I find the reason I said that is because I f- usually I do that. Like I think in almost every scene, like you I do sp- what I speak. You I speak say what piece? my character wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like say what it is. So at least at the very least, yeah. I get it. Well, today's the day your character says it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, that's a, everything's a mantra to me. And it's like <laughs> every scene you do is uh, these characters are going to remember 20 years from now. Uh, yeah. Uh, it comes from an old, damn it. Uh, it comes from a Citizen Kane monologue. Have you ever seen the movie Citizen Kane? He remembers the girl on the boat or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that girl in that white dress for the rest of my life. Yeah. And it's like, just like that improv scene. <laughs> Can you find something that's important? Today's the day I say why I do this or today's the day I realize maybe I'm wrong. Uh, or something like that. And that avoids, you know, 
arguing and you kind of your character will evolve and if your character evolves that's conflict enough you know it doesn't have to be conflict doesn't mean arguing and i think that ties in a little bit to the why uh-huh yeah does that make sense i think so yeah, yeah. um all right. Well, we're getting to the end here. Told you this flies by. Uh, um, I don't know. Well, we, sometimes we do a little tater tots. Mm-hmm. I sort of described evil, insane, stupid a little bit, but I'm like, well, we're going to go over the we fifteen call that agreements. Evil, insane, absurd. That might be a bit more what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> evil, insane, absurd. Give them something evil, something insane, and something absurd. Like yeah, you're silly. right. <laughs> yeah, like uh, you ate my socks. <sighs> I've been doing this for five years. <laughs> <Just kidding>. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, I like that actually. So I didn't mean <laughs> yeah. to. I didn't. No, no, mean, no. I think I just like it's like I at replied you on Twitter and tried to improve your thing. <laughs> you I did. Like, I feel like a <laughs> dick. Good. <laughs> actually, I have a I something. I credit something that I think you taught. I'm not no. I don't know if it's for sure. Is the moral of the story? Oh, the end the, of monologues. Yeah. Do you? Are uh-huh. you the one that does that? Yeah, I thought it was everybody. I thought it was in the curriculum, but I, I might it? just be wrong. It is in the curriculum. Yeah. No. Well, I should quit saying your name in my fucking class. Then <laughs> uh, I do do that though. Yeah. Like, like I find it useful just to like name a game sort of at the end of your. Yeah, yeah. It's a great little way to actually. I use it as a punctuation. It's like how to how to quit talking in your monologues. And the moral of this story is, oh, don't eat muffins. Yeah. <laughs> and get out of there. <laughs> um. Well, I have a question since I have the two of you here that somebody asked me and I was like, huh. And I was talking about if, uh, if you're being the voice of reason, sort of like having the opportunity to say like, well, this behavior you're doing, I haven't seen before, or I have seen it before, or we're peas in a pod, or it is a weird world. And someone had said to me like, uh, they, they had been instructed that like, you should never have seen it before because then it normalizes the behavior. Right. That's and, wrong. <laughs> yeah. And what you know who said that to me is Ian Roberts. Uh, what was he talking about? <laughs> and what made me think of it is when you were like, uh, today's the day I speak my mind or whatever. And yeah, I yeah. was like, my response to them was like, well, we have to assume these characters lived before we're watching them and after we're watching them and we're watching them for a specific reason. And it's today is the day that they're confronting this thing or whatever, yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. So I was just wondering, yeah, I think I got my response from you guys, but I was like, I was like, I don't think it normalizes it. I think you're bringing it to the surface today to talk about it or whatever. Yeah. But I think it's better if you've seen it before. That's what yeah. I was like. You so can like kind you have, of frame you know it. this person. And yeah. You can yeah. say like, you do this uh, and you don't have to ask as many questions. Like you don't have to go like, you don't have to put yourself in a position of lacking knowledge if you don't want. And like, yeah. Yeah. I see as a a beginner why that note is said Mm -hmm. because you're learning to go and see the unusual thing. Yeah. But if you're doing that after uh, several classes, then you're not growing. Yeah. Uh, is tater tot an exercise? Yeah, tater tot is like yeah. We just leave them with like here's something you could do in Toledo to work on this particular. I'll give one that's in the book that I like. Oh okay. This is in our book, and I because I came up with it as we were writing it. I mean, again, I'm, every exercise you come up with, it's probably been independently developed by yeah. many people. So yeah. Um, but if you but now that I'm doing it on a podcast, it's mine. <laughs> um, but it's called uh, what do we just uh, what do we end up calling this? Just a pickle, or what do we say? <laughs> It's just a pickle. No. What yeah, is that? I forget. We, we kept changing the noun. I forget what we called it. All right. I, let's say just a pickle. But it's like um, <laughs> it's, to, it's to retroactively give importance to something that doesn't seem important. Yeah. Mm. So 
two people up, one person says to the other, what are you getting so upset about? It's just a pickle. And the response is to be just a pickle, just a pickle. And they have to give like a little monologue about why it's so important to them. Just rotate through the whole class that way. Do they have to say just a pickle every time? Yes. Is, is it anything or does it have to be a pickle? Not just a, no, it's always a different object. Yes, I do. Yes, I did try that. Yeah. So you have, yeah, it's like a warm up. It's like after warm up or maybe like the first exercise you do. Yeah. You get everybody up in a circle and everyone takes turns doing it to each other. Yeah. What are you so upset about? It's just a wrench. Just a re- <laughs> Just a wrench. I love that. Just a wrench. Are you kidding me? This wrench started this business. This wrench is what made us plumbers or whatever. <laughs> I like that I, I'm, really, I'm pretty loose on it because a lot of times they will come up with very specific circumstances that make that thing important and it's not really as good as My father emotional. beat me with this wrench. Yeah, but like, I, I, like, I let it go. Right, like, right. the, the, it's just saying like something started off as not important and you have to retroactively make it important. Mm-hmm. It's good muscle. Pontificate. You sort of do that. It's kind it, of fun. In uh in your first book, you I, I just stole an exercise from it, but I credit you, Will. Oh, that's okay. Uh, it's to. the one where, like, you're like... Oh, the object. S- the object, like, yeah, stapler. Yeah. Stapler is togetherness. Yes. It's a simpler right? version of Togetherness that. is important because... Right. Things are I think a lot of together. improv is, like, what is making it a symbol yeah, mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. something. Making a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah, give it some emotional importance. And some people are great at it, and some people can't do it. Mm. The staple yeah. is important because I need a staple right now to, to get my check or whatever. It's like, no, asshole. It's like... <laughs> Stapler represents what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but never mind. I, get I like to do those kind of exercises too. I've been working on one. It's not even tater tot worthy yet, but it's. I call it. I started at a froyo place, and then it, now it's Postmates. But basically, you order. You have to order two things. So like one per. So like Postmates comes to the door, and says, "Here, I brought your whatever," and then the person answering the door goes like, "Oh, and the whatever." So it's like. I brought you your whiskey and your tuna fish or whatever. That's fucking stupid. Right, right. But then the person, the Postmates. Examples are so hard. Examples. (laughs) The Postmates person then has to like say what they think of the combo. Like, like you ordered these two things. So Mm -hmm. what does that say about you? So like whiskey and tuna fish. Oh, you're really giving up, huh? (laughs) Or, you know, something like that. Uh, And then you kind of got to play a game other than judgmental Postmates delivery guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's not... I have to fine tune that or tune it a little bit, Mm -hmm. but uh, I have a suggestion for it. Yeah. I like, I like this is going, I might do it that, um, a little bit more like you're a cashier at a grocery store. Uh Somebody else named the things on the belt. Uh What's the story with this person? Okay. Yeah. Five people each name a grocery store item or maybe three, Uh five items or less or a Walmart. Ooh. See, Billy's good with these. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, that's kind of somewhere in there. I yeah. like I like where you're going with it because um, it's something people naturally do. Like I'll be at the grocery store, I'll look ahead, I'll see what they're ordering, and I'll make an assumption about their yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I look at mine and I'm like, what am I saying? Which yeah, I'm <laughs> it's true. That's great. It's just a PlayStation. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, you got a tot, Billy? So what your... is a tot? A little exercise? Yeah, a something, something that people a little in, uh, Some of the people outside of the. You know, an improv, a major improv. Uh, you know what I'm a big fan of lately is confessional scenes. Mm. Oh, nice. But confession on top of confession on top of confession <laughs> uh, until it just gets absurd. Uh, you mean like uh, back and forth, both yeah. players? So it started out with working on 80% of my work is just base reality. It's like, who are you? Where are you? Okay, now that you've done all that and The other work, 20 is edit. Yeah, edit. <laughs> uh, uh, That's I, the note I got. 
got from you more than any other, I think. I'm amazed I haven't shouted edit at a class show. I'm so close. I'm like, edit, I, have, I, edit. I have come so close sometimes to yeah. saying out, edit, yeah. you're done. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, but our clocks are shorter than everybody's. Like, if you're new, oh yeah, yeah. Like our sense of when something mm-hmm. should be over is way shorter than somebody's new. Yeah, that's exactly there. it. <laughs> but if they do all the work, you know, that I'm asking them to do, and they don't have a game, and then they'll look at me like, "But we did what we told you to do." <laughs> and it's like confess with all the world that you've created there. Find something in that world to confess, uh-huh. and then that confession will lead to another confession, will lead to another confession, and just keep going back and forth. Uh, and see like if we happens. were doing a scene, you'd confess something, and that makes me confess something, yes. and then you confess something. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's mm. cool. yeah, so that's cool. uh, I brought you out here to let you know that okay. uh, uh, I love having burgers with you and all. Oh yeah, me too. But, it's great. Uh, I've heard some stuff, and uh, uh, I can't hang out with you anymore. What? Yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. You're talking about how I like to drink beverages out of my shoes when I'm yes. alone. Yes. And you think it's yeah. It's disgusting. And that bothers you. Yeah. Um, well, then do I say something to probe? Yeah, you can either confess on that as we generate more information. Yeah. And it's like, as you said that, also the other thing is. Yeah, okay. And then, um, yeah, well, I'm actually glad you brought that up because I I don't think I can hang out with you either. What? Uh, (laughs) I'm the cool one between the two of us. You are cool, and that's the problem. Oh. You're, um, you're judgy. Okay. Well, I'm fucking your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was quick. That was. <laughs> That's always the edit line. <laughs> it always ends with yeah. one of you's uh, you fucking know the, the other indie, one. One of you being Johnny Rouse. Outlook of the Poet, Billy. Do you remember yeah. Outlook of the Poet? Do you guys know Outlook of the mm-hmm. Poet? Yeah. Is it yeah. Gaberson? It's Gaberson, Ben Rogers, and Gavin Spieler. Mm. Although I guess Gavin didn't live out here for a while. So in LA, it was just Ben and Gabrus for a while. But yeah. They would always, I don't know if they do this on purpose, but frequently in their shows, they would have confessions but always the other person already knew You're like, I've got a confession. I'm like fucking your girlfriend. I was like, yeah, you know what? I knew that. <laughs> they, they would do it so much that I was like, did they like decide that that's a thing they do where yeah. somebody confesses and the other person is like, I already, I knew, already that. knew that. But it was so funny that I've, that I've made classes do it just yeah, for yeah, fun. Yeah. Like I've scenes where you're both confessing, but everybody actually are. It's a surprise, but you actually knew. I love it. Yeah. It's not a surprise. I mean, it's, to the other person, to the confessor's surprise, yeah. they, they knew. I don't know. It's fun. I don't know if it's useful, but it's fun to do. Uh, I like those kind of exercises. Tater tots. So, so the it, so just to clarify, so the the purpose of that is just to get people to be forthcoming, or yeah, just to keep yeah. adding. Take a, a minute to two minutes to not try to be funny, not just to play it real. Uh-huh. In fact, force feeding a boring scene, uh-huh. and then but you're generating enough material that you can find a confession in there. Yeah, okay. And then see where it goes. I see. Confession's you know. a good one, man, for beginners. It works mm-hmm. a high percentage of the time. Yes. It's impressive. It helps them find game when there isn't a game. It's a safety net exercise, I think. Cool. Um, I think that'll do it, right? Yeah. Uh, we got some tater tots. Uh, thanks for sticking around and talking to us. Yeah, thank you, guys. Pirate Robot Ninja and Improv Fabel. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having us on, guys. Yeah, yeah thanks thank for you. Doing. You guys want to do a number two? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hug it out. Hug it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I'm, okay, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Hug it out, yeah. I uh, forgot that scene for a second. So I thought you were just saying we should poop together. <laughs> that too. Now, now I know what you mean. <laughs> that too. Uh, well, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time on The Potatoes. Nom, 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 nom.
Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.